Hey, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Thank you, as always, for listening to Talking That Trash. Steve and I really want to give a thank you for all the great feedback we got from last week in regards to the George Costanza versus Michael Scott episode. Seems we ignited a fire in some people, a lot of people in the Costanza camp, a lot of angry people in the Michael Scott camp. Uh, but either way, really, thank you for reaching out to us. If there's anything on any of our episodes you ever hear you want to talk about or you got a, you got a hot take on, please send it our way and uh, we, we'll probably start featuring some of them on the show. Um, not just saying it as a podcast host, doing it because we have to. Legitimately, we really appreciate hearing from you guys and the feedback. So keep it coming. Thanks a lot for that. This week, uh, just to do a quick little gist of what we're doing, we, we touch a little bit more on some aspects of sitcoms because we feel we didn't get quite enough time in last week's episode because we didn't want to go 18 hours like we probably could have. And also, we definitely touch on Edmonton. There was a clip that uh, was released about trying to get the NHL to Edmonton that went pretty viral. And Steve and I want to give a certain little ode to Edmonton, if you will. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it, just talking about Edmonton and this kind of light. Whether you're from Edmonton or not, hopefully you can appreciate it. I think you'll get a kick out of it. But really, just want to say thank you, as always, for listening. I hate doing this, but if you want to follow us on social media, cool. If you don't, also cool. I'll leave the handles in the description of the episode. If you hear a little girl squealing in the background, that is my niece, Steve's daughter, so don't fret. Most importantly, thank you again, and enjoy this week's episode. Here we go. I do think we struck a bit of a chord last week with the Michael Scott, George Costanza debate. I hope we did, because if you're not fired up at the idea of picking a side, because you got to pick a side. You do. And I know it's hard because The Office is a lot more relevant today, I think, Mm -hmm. in certain ways than Seinfeld, only because of what we mentioned last week, that it's so bingeable, and it's such a huge thing of why people love Netflix, I think. If they're stuck, they just watch The Office. I know I do that. Totally. Now, Seinfeld is supposed to come to Netflix, I think, in 2021, but then also to NBC starting their own streaming service, and that's an NBC property, and yeah. The Office is leaving Netflix. So I don't know what's actually going to happen there. So what I'm curious about is when... And I know Seinfeld's on Crave, but there's a lot of people that don't have Crave. I don't have Crave. Sure, we have Crave, and I don't... I don't think people that. in America have Crave. I don't know. I don't think it's a thing in the States. I think it's Canadian. Okay. So from that end of it, I have Crave and I don't, I haven't watched a lot of Seinfeld. Well, especially if it's like a new streaming platform, you've already watched a ton of Seinfeld. Doesn't mean you don't like it any less, but there's new stuff to watch. I, as of now, having watched Seinfeld over, I don't know how many times I would probably watch a different show. Yeah, like I, think, I could still sit down and, and yeah. probably quote an entire episode totally. without any trouble. And annoy the shit out of my wife. Yes. But that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, I, I, I hope we cut a, we really struck a chord with people last week. I think we did. I got a lot of feedback. Yeah, I heard from some people too. Most of it being whether they agreed or not, they just appreciated the talk, which is great. There was one guy who reached out to me who, who's a friend, like a good friend. And I don't know if I've ever met a more triggered person in my like losing his shit, <laughs> just pissed that we said, Seinfeld and what to defend ourselves it literally says in like the description of the episode it's solely based on our opinions and we're like yeah we're we're talking in a systematic way but it's like at the end of the day yes it's opinion yeah we're not going to be unbiased because we do have our 
yeah bias here. Get control of your emotions in that sense. And but but those are two very important characters. And I guess if you have a huge huge connection with Michael Scott, fair enough. I will say I do think there's a little bit of sense similar to when we talked about the Last Dance. I think there's a bit of that sense where some people will say definitively. Oh, it's Michael Scott right off the bat. And then when they actually watch Seinfeld for the first time through, they're like, you know what? That was actually pretty good. It's totally the Michael Jordan, LeBron James thing. It is. And, and, and again, that's just such a pet peeve of mine when people, and I'm not saying everyone who's, who's done this because we, we have like a cousin of ours, love the guy, unbelievable person. Uh, but he kind of suggested he couldn't get through the first three seasons. Fair enough. If that's not your thing, he's like, I'll give it another try. But I do think if you haven't watched them all the way through, it's tough to give a really, really strong take, like emphatically, nope, this is the better character. It's like, okay, well, if you didn't if you didn't get to a point where you could watch all of it, you don't have all the evidence. You know Here, what I mean? Here's the problem with if you're new to Seinfeld and you take that approach. It ends so badly for that show. True. And I'm I, I the office does too. Like I, I don't think the 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 ending for the show itself is great, but when Michael leaves the show, if that if that's where we're going to keep our context of um, comparing Michael Scott to George Costanza, he leaves the show and uh, like the rest of it's kind of just out of bounds with True. The Office. It's a good point. The tough thing with Seinfeld is because George is right there through the end. <sighs> that last season is tough. So if you're gonna if you're gonna walk into this without knowing much, hopefully you can you can appreciate it. At its peak, totally, and really enjoy those episodes because the descent is hard. It's true when it falls like that. Those last couple episodes, like we talked about, like the low points, car dealership, Puerto Rican Day Parade, and then the final episode, like those are for my for my money unwatchable episodes. Yeah, shameful moments in television. So I'll be curious. I mean, if Seinfeld all of a sudden becomes much more accessible to people and you can binge, then you can just pick what you want to watch. Because like, I, yeah. don't, I don't go to the later stuff with The Office and be like, oh, man, I'm really going to dig into season eight. Oh, you couldn't pay me to watch that. No. I was thinking the other day after we did our pod about best episode, and I said the Dundies was the one that I wouldn't necessarily pick as the funniest, even though I've seen on some lists that it has been picked as the funniest. Because... There's mm-hmm. a real good case you could make for it that it is. I think for me, the funniest episode, based on just the writing and the premise, is when Michael hits Meredith with his car. Oh, the uh, fun the s- run? Yes. Is that what it's the called? The two-parter, I think, when they do the fun run. Start for, of for season four, right? And something like that, that where he's talking about how, relationship. Yeah, yeah. How, he, how blessed he is, and then he hits Meredith. Yeah. And his lines in that, where he has to report it to Ryan... And he asked if it was on company property and was it on purpose. And he said, oh, no, I was just being negligent. <laughs> and like, that's an... In- yeah, and the whole premise of then turning it into a run for rabies was, is, is just incredibly funny. So I, I think that could be the funniest episode. I feel like we've definitely given Michael his due. We, we chose Costanza, yeah. but we had to make it very clear. We, we covet, we appreciate, and we value Michael, Gary, Scott. I do... The, celebrate. The other, we celebrate the catalog. I do think we probably should explain, because we never got to it, we both, or I know I strongly did, said Jim from The Office just sucks. Mm-hmm. And I feel before moving on this week, we should at least touch on that, because that might trigger some people as well. Well, then you lead it off, and I'll just pinch it where I can. I just always thought Jim sucks. Uh, he, he irrit- always, though? He, he oh, Okay, always is strong. When I first started watching, 
here's what I think about Jim. I think most semi-normal-ish people, especially if you're a bit of a smart-ass, you're a bit of a joker, you watch it, and, you, and whether you want to admit it, you're kind of like, I'd be Jim. Do you know what I mean? Everyone <laughs> yeah. kind of gets that going. But then you think about it a little bit more, and I, I think I maybe the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, I never thought he was particularly funny, but he serves his role. Then I watched it again, I was like, oh, this guy's a huge douchebag. <laughs> Can you imagine if you knew a guy in real life and all he does is constantly prank everybody and just say these smarmy little quips nonstop? It's not like, oh, man, I'd love to go for a beer with that guy. Like, I would love to beat the shit out of this guy. Yeah. I don't condone violence, but especially decade earlier i just would want to smack that stupid grin off his face that he always has and he's he's a coward he's that kind of guy where when they have to pick the uh benefits and stuff and it gets it gets thrown on jim and he just fucks around with it the whole episode then by the end of it he just pins it off on everyone else and then michael or dwight i can't really remember they they don't do a good job with it and jim's all pissed he's so mad he has to stay and he just can't believe how they let the office down it's like no guy that was you yeah. This is your fault, but still, somehow you're the hero. I mean, Pam wasn't in a great relationship with Roy. He's a homewrecker. He's a bully. All he does with Dwight, who's clearly this guy who's not all there, is like torment him all the time. Jim yeah. is a giant piece of shit. Talking about how good he is at basketball, he's trash. I don't know, man. He lit Roy up pretty well. Hard. Roy's like severely out of shape and clearly hasn't touched a ball in 15 years. Roy's probably not the player he once was. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, I bet in high school, Roy in the off season from football, when he's done, you know, getting yeah. however many sacks in a season, he could probably be. He's a, he's a letter winner. Yeah. yeah, he he could go and just be the guy in high school that becomes like their best foreman. Yeah, there's a couple of parents in the stands that are probably saying like, "Man, if he only focused on yeah. the game, he'd be really good." Whereas maybe in great D two yeah. power forward, exactly. Yeah. Whereas Jim probably that was his sport, worked pretty hard, it just couldn't excel. Um, but also didn't take it that seriously. Jim's the guy who looks back on his high school career and is talking about, oh, man, like I was just putting in so much time, loved the game. It's like, no, you weren't because you were cracking wise with your loser friends and pulling pranks on Miss Smith or whatever because you paper wrapped her desk and she fell through it and like broke her hip and was hospitalized. But everyone's like, yo, Jim's so sick. Fuck Jim. I hate that guy. He did have great shoes because he did wear the Iverson yeah, shoes in true. the basketball episode. The uh, I think those, those were the answers, weren't they? they uh, which one was the, which, okay, the, the questions were the ones. The toe thing? I think so. I think they were the answers. I don't know what they I were. I'm not, a, I'm not a sneaker guy, but they were regardless. phenomenal shoes. I was like Reebok peak. Yeah, I had those shoes. So good on Jim that he had a really nice pair sure. of shoes for the run. Um, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. There was time one time when they kind of run down him picking on Dwight. Yeah. When they have the box for corporate that mm. Toby just keeps under his desk. Yeah. And, I mean... It's great because it's funny, and then you kind of do reach that moment. You're like, man, he does kind of pick on this guy. He's a bully. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I I don't completely buy into the whole thing of uh, he's just this awesome guy. But the lens we see him from in the show is kind of like I don't know where the awesome is. Yeah, he's not really doing anything for anyone. They'll show random things like here. Here's where I sold stock on Jim. He, I think, at an auction. Yeah, it was the. It was was it the Michael Scott roast or was it the fundraiser where they did that auction and uh, Daryl auctioned off leaving the auction to go get a beer oh, and yeah. Jim yeah. Jim did it. And they're sitting at the table and there's like this really probably not that funny story being told and he like kind of half laughs and then 
looks at Daryl Weird and is like, that's hilarious. And I was like, oh, man, it pisses me off. I don't know why. It just made me, it just pissed me off. The it look is on his the face when I was just, and then Roy uh, showed up and it was like, sweet, man. So again. Roy showed up to hang out with the dude that stole his fiance. Yeah. Like, how are you not pounding uh, his face in? So, I know, man. Jim sucks. I don't know. I, yeah. Especially as the show went, he was, I think, earlier, he's pretty funny. He had his moments. Yeah. I don't know if Jim ever made me laugh. I think the scenarios he was in, but I don't think Jim ever said anything that I was like, oh, Jim is hysterical. No, no, no. I, I agree with that. You you could probably trade him out and put someone else in there, and the show is relatively close to being the same. I don't know if I completely buy that, but yeah, I, I'd say that's probably a good way to put it. The scenarios were funny, but I don't know if like what Jim was actually saying was really funny, as opposed to... like. What Michael said often was funny. Yeah. Or even what Dwight was doing was funny. Yeah. Not quite the same thing. And then as the show went, it was just like, oh man, he's just like so nuts over Pam. And oh, oh man, it's just so weird that like they work right next to each other. And yeah, so nuts, but also yeah, like and then just had, like, leaving for Clearly months. had a nose job. And like, oh my God. His yeah. hairline is like completely different than it was two years his ago. His hairline is below. Everyone's, his hair, eyes everyone's now. hairline was better. Yeah, the, it's amazing how much everyone's hair in the uh, office, imp- like Toby. Dwight, Michael for sure, because he starts just bald, and then, yeah, his hairline's below his nose by the end of it. Yeah, he's got, like, Ricardo Montalban hair. (laughs) (laughs) Wrath of Khan by the end of the show, and at the beginning, he was, like, clearly on Costanza trail. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was... I'll tell you what... This is going to shift gears. I'll tell you, though, for anyone who does watch Seinfeld and watches the pilot episode. Not the first first episode of Seinfeld, but when they are making the show Jerry mm. and they have to audition parts for the pilot, who the guy is that plays the role of George. And that wound up being Jeremy Piven, who wound up being the big like star at the time Just on Entourage playing, yeah, Ari all-time Gold. Great. The time was Time was, though, in the 2000s that everyone thought Ari Gold was cool until they realized that he was like an incredible sexist, a huge racist, and pretty much a disgusting pig. Yeah, I hope people realize I was sarcastic when I said all-time great there because it genuinely yeah, sounded not. like, like he, I was saying It ages so poorly. Oh, he's terrible. But the, great, the reason I wanted to point this out since we're on the topic of hairlines really quickly is Jeremy Piven is bald in that episode. Oh, yeah. He's bald, and then he <laughs> shows up a decade later in Entourage and has a completely full head of hair. And, hey, man, good on you if that's what you're doing. But it was amazing because I had to go back and I was like, wait a sec, I've seen this guy. He's George in the pilot. And I was like, holy smokes, man. This guy has gone through an incredible transformation. I have two funny stories about Jeremy Piven. Uh, Share them. Normally, I wouldn't want to talk shit about someone, but once you hear the how much... Especially someone you respect as much as Jeremy Piven. I mean, someone I looked up to and got into comedy because of Jeremy Piven. He's really a god around our house. (laughs) Um, But normally, I I wouldn't want to like shit on or shame someone by name. I'll do it without the name, no problem. Mm. But considering how much of a creep he apparently is... I was at the uh, House of Comedy in the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota, and I was doing a weekend there, but I, we have a ton of family there, so I went a few days early to visit, and then they asked me just to come close out their like amateur night, uh, or amateur, like funniest person in Minneapolis, whatever. I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And then, so I was going to be there, say, Thursday to Sunday. This was on a Monday. The Tuesday and Wednesday was going to be Jeremy Piven, which was like sold out because people were like, oh, it's that guy who was in TV 15 years ago and hasn't worked since. We should pay money to see him. And he showed up to do like a little guest spot, promote the shows a little bit. And uh, 
which is for comedy. If you're not into comedy, he, that that's such a dipshit move because you have so many amateurs or maybe people who have never done comedy before. This is the most nerve wracking experience of their life, and then you get this guy who is a quasi celebrity at one point was a a list celebrity, I guess. He comes in and they're like, real quick, before this dude who's never done comedy, Jeremy Piven wants to do five minutes. So the crowd starts going kind of crazy. And I felt so yeah. bad for the first dude who was going to go up after. He was so scared, understandably. Mm. So Jeremy Piven goes up, and at first there's an initial like electricity in the crowd, and people are laughing at everything he says, even though he hasn't told a joke yet. And then four minutes in, he's just bombing so hard. Really? Oh, because he's not a stand-up. Like, no, no, no. The reason so many guys do stand-up now, it's because they used to be actors, can't get acting jobs now. And it's like, okay, well, I can use that little bit of clout to still sell out some of the lowest common denominator clubs in North America, which is what he was doing. But literally all his jokes were just name-dropping people he hung out with once. Mm-hmm. And like, hey, do you ever see Rush Hour 3? And then people just start clapping, and then he'd move on without telling a joke. But then by the end of it, he's like... It was so funny because he was like, uh, you ever notice how Chris Tucker, everything he says is funny, then did the worst Chris Tucker impression you could ever hear. And even at this point, four minutes into a five-minute set, people are like, is this guy fucking kidding me? This oh, guy's that's awesome. I was saying, like, if he was in the amateur competition, he wouldn't have moved on the first So if round. nobody knew who he was. Oh, he was just bad. That's awesome. And man. yeah, then I saw him again. I was hanging out with him. Like, not with him. I didn't pull up to the improv with Jeremy, but he was just kind of hanging out in the back and, oh, that poor dude looks like he's just been through war. Like, and not body shame, like to each their own. If it's what you want to do, I'm not into the whole like reconstructive face thing, but just translucent hair was just clearly like this immaculate 45 minute process of putting on all that powder shit and whatever. And you're just like, almost felt bad for him because he's out there trying to write these jokes, which he's just not good at. And, Smoking this stogie, looking all sweet, then goes into the improv and just bombs. That's pretty good. Just so you know, if you can hear an infant screaming in the background, that is uh, Steve's daughter and everything's okay, just so you know. Yep, nothing strange. Um, One thing I did want to point out when I was thinking about it, because this is something that does play into when DVDs became big and there was like unreleased content coming out for some of these shows that you only got to see on TV, YouTube wasn't around, anything like that was uh, outtakes right? and deleted scenes. Deleted scenes usually are hit and miss, especially with a 30-minute show, because it's like it's either it's too inappropriate to go on TV or it's just not that funny. Um, but the outtakes, I would find, for my taste, that the outtakes for The Office are funnier than the outtakes for Seinfeld. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Because there's more of like the improv thing going on with The Office. So yeah. you, every season you watch, well, when it's good at least, when you watch the outtakes, it's hysterical. Really funny. Yeah. Because some of the lines that they flip in there of that are their best lines, how could you keep a straight face? Oh, and how I'm, could you not laugh? I can't even repeat some of the things Steve Carell says as Michael Scott, but I think in season four, season five, some of the shit he says, I cry every time I watch because it's so ridiculous and just so funny. I would 100% agree with you on that one. So going from that, what do you think, what do you think draws out like, like good outtakes, like you said, improv, kind of just giving things a try to see how it fits. And then also too, when you do see the actors kind of crack up, that, yeah. I, that does have an effect on the viewer big time. And I think just that, that balance of really good writing where you're saying this line, where they're saying this line. Uh, I don't want to pretend I've been in that atmosphere. I have some funny uh, 
air quotes acting experience to share, but I'll do that another time. Um, I think when you get writing that is as good as it probably was on The Office and stuff, and then you combine it with people that are so good with improv. So they're saying these lines that already are so funny, but then put their own little flair on or just the delivery. It's, I don't know. I I just can't imagine how hard it would be to not crack up. And then I can't remember what it's called, but there is this thing I've read about how it's kind of like you hit this wall where you could do the same line 15 times and you just can't not laugh every time mm. and i'm it's super fun to watch because the seinfeld outtakes sometimes are pretty underwhelming because kramer michael richards he's very much like a pro like when people uh yeah. break character yeah. he's a little like come on figure it out he doesn't really go along with it yeah uh so yeah the, the office ones blow them out of the water did we talk last week about laugh track we did not so that's probably the last thing that we should talk about here. yeah we'll move on but that's important that is important as a viewer as you saw the shift away in the, in the 90s, especially from sitcoms where you had to have a supposed live studio audience, and there were a bit of those cues on this is hysterical, so we all should be laughing, to the format that, say, The Office has, where it's just the jokes are the jokes, and you can kind of tell when they're leading up to it, but like there's no audience to play off of. There's nothing like that. Arrested Development did that, Mm-hmm. And when it was good, it was really good. You could kind of tell it was a little bit ahead of the curve, though, because I don't think people were ready for that, which I think did play a role in it not to being as received as well as it should have been. Absolutely. Then you move into The Office, and it's not like The Office was like fire right out of the gate. Like, it did start to pick up as it went to go, as if when you read about it as far as viewers go. Yeah. And then I think that really kind of paved the way for like the modern family thing. Totally. Because Modern Family, everyone was wild about right out of the gate, but they'd had a chance to get used to it, it being a comedy with no audience or no laughing. Yeah, I think that's such an important discussion with... I can't, I think it's multicam is with laugh tracks and single cam is... I, I might begin those, but it's multicam and single cam are the two kind of shows they have and one is laugh track, one doesn't. Uh-huh. And you watch so many like classic sitcoms like Big Bang Theory and Friends and How I Met Your Mother. And if you ever watch those videos without the laugh track, they're, they're, it's hilarious how uncomfortable it is. Right, yeah. Because no jokes are being told and they're just really awkwardly like one guy will say a line, wait five seconds, and then the next person reacts and you realize there aren't any jokes here. No. And, and can you imagine, Kaylee and I have done this a few times and I get so irritated after literally a minute. We're like, let's laugh while we're watching these shows every time the laugh track laughs. We'll just force ourselves to laugh. <laughs> and it's so obnoxious. And like, can you imagine being that happy and that easily entertained that you're sitting in a crowd and just by some guy coming in and making a zany face, you bust a gut. Yeah. And you do that like 60 times in a half hour. And, and, uh, I, I think you're absolutely right with the rest of development. I don't think people were ready for it. And then 30 Rock in the office, I feel, were like of similar times. Right, yeah, I should have mentioned that. And 30 Rock even more. There's so many jokes packed in there that it is kind of like, all right, I got to be like mentally sharp. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it can be a little irritating. Whereas when you're in the right mood, it's awesome. Sure. And what I really like about sitcoms with no laugh track, obviously, is that it, the jokes speak for themselves. You don't need to be told that was a joke, so laugh with us. It's more just you have to pick up on it, and I think that takes a whole other level of writing. That said, I don't necessarily think that's a knock at Seinfeld because that's one of the very, very few 
sitcoms with a laugh track that you don't feel like an idiot watching. I agree with that. I, I, I think when you got into certain shows where it was like, hey, we're going to uh, watch Step by Step on TGIF, and there people are just losing their minds, and it's like, I, you know what? I'm, I'm even, I'm 12 and I'm not getting this. This is not that funny. But there's a audience there that really thinks the other way. So, I, yeah, I, I think back in the 90s, I don't know how it would have felt if someone would have said, like, you know, could you watch this show and you take the audience completely out of it, how would you feel about it? Because that was just such a normal thing at that time. Yeah. Every show had a supposed live studio Scooby audience. Scooby-Doo for a stretch did. And the, fl- and the Flintstones did. Yeah. They like piped in laughing. It was the weirdest thing. And, 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 and I remember even as a kid being like, huh, that's kind of weird, but I didn't think it was that weird. Who's watching this? Like, yeah, when they people would... are watching them illustrate this, taking months and the whole time just cackling. Dying. So yeah, that was always weird because it wasn't every episode for things like the Flintstones. It would just randomly happen. I think maybe to that point, I think it's such a, I'm so glad you brought that up. A show that we didn't talk about last week because we were sticking to Seinfeld in the office, Costanza versus Michael Scott, but maybe in his prime, the funniest, and a show with no laugh track, obviously, and so ahead of its time, especially when it was good, considering it hasn't, for my money, it's been a lot shittier for a lot longer than it was good, but The Simpsons, no laugh mm-hmm. track, cartoon, deals with some really adult stuff, and Homer Simpson in his prime may be like the funniest dude for my money I've ever seen on TV. I agree. I, I, I don't think if you watch The Simpsons, probably during their peak, maybe some of season two when it starts to really come into, come into shape, but seasons three to a little bit of season eight, when it's like really rolling and every episode is great. Is laugh out loud funny. Yeah, it is. And I know, like a lot of the people that wrote for the show, went on to do a lot of bigger things. Like they, yeah, they had a lot of people that were doing things that ended up doing a lot of work in movies, work on other TV shows. I yeah, I would challenge anybody not to watch season three through eight and think that Homer is like by far the funniest character on TV because The Simpsons. Like I know, especially when you were younger. They tried so hard to have Bart be the guy. Yeah. And it was shoved down your throat that, like, oh, Bart's so, you know, badass and rambunctious and don't have a cow and all this stupid stuff. And then you're watching here and just like, how come every scene Homer in is in is the funniest yeah. part of the show <laughs> without fail? So, yeah, I, I think we could do a whole other thing on Homer. Yeah, if, we might have to save time to give Homer his proper Yeah, credit. but the 90s had, yeah, had the characters like the Seinfeld characters yeah. and you had Homer that's animated no laugh track nothing like that and as funny as anybody that's ever been on TV I think we might have to do a whole other thing where it's kind of a Homer versus to really break it sure, down because yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I, I morally feel comfortable only allotting like 90 seconds to the greatness that is Homer J so we'll, we'll save that we'll shelf that one so moving into it we have really gotten after the office um, for the last episode in almost a half we could probably do more on it but let's move on so let's get into uh, a hot take for the week what do you got my hot take no shortage of hot takes uh i was gonna do a rant but i'll save that one too let's just do a hot take here Uh um my hot take's pretty dumb good but i was watching just some wrestling highlights and it had a it had a clip from the 1995 ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels, and 
for my money, I don't know if you'll find a better mullet than Razor Ramon had in 95. Because it's pretty... It almost takes you a minute to realize it's a full mullet because it, yeah. it looks like it might just be slick. Like, it's long everywhere, but he just really slicks it on the side, has the jerry curl in front, and then it's just chaos in the back. But then I realized, I was like, oh, no, he's kind of just got, like, a flat top <laughs> with just a mud flap back there. And to be <laughs> honest, he pulls it off. Considering the time and considering mullets are more acceptable now than they were 10 years ago, I was looking at it, I was like, the dude looks good. And if you don't know who Razor Ramon is, look it up. Google Razor Ramon 1995, and I defy you to find a better mullet than that. And honestly, second best mullet might have been the guy he was against in Shawn Michaels. Thick, lustrous, curly, yeah. just a lion's mane of a mullet. Yeah, I remember that. This is what I don't understand about that era. You see photos of those guys when they're like, I don't know, not wrestling. Their mullets are so out of control. <laughs> it's mid-90s. I didn't realize that mullets were still that hardcore back then. But it's not even just the mullet. You see pictures, and I, I couldn't tell you like an exact time that I saw this, but you'll see pictures of guys wearing like stonewashed jeans. Oh, yeah. A huge fanny pack. Belly shirt. A Gold's Gym belly shirt. <laughs> and their mullets are just like fanned out. And you're like, man, I don't remember this being such a thing then. Well, I think we have and to the remember wrestlers it. went after it hard. Well, that's the thing. I think we've got to remember it's wrestling. Like these dudes and their mullets, man. Let's not let's not mince words here. Like I enjoy wrestling. Kaylee and I went to WrestleMania last year since then. I haven't watched as much, but I've always been a wrestling fan. But we can't pretend there isn't a huge white trash trailer park <laughs> 10 years behind everyone else kind of thing going on here. What probably would have been completely socially acceptable for a CEO to show up with an 85 <laughs> with a mullet like that knife. I was like, get with the times. But Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, is just a renaissance man when it comes to the mullet. Yeah, his I, yeah. When you see old footage of that stuff, it's surprising how prominent their mullets are. Like no, it's like surprising. an actual part of their like getup. Scott Hall was yoked. Yeah, he was a beast. The guy was like. If you've seen the, have you seen the E sixty on him? Yeah, it's great. When he's basically said you're like, yeah, I shot a guy. Yeah, no, it's crazy. But they show like the first thing that he does as a wrestler. The guy shows up. He's like two ninety, huge. Only yeah. thing bigger than his shoulders is his mullet. That guy was yeah. His mullet is possibly a temple of yeah. a man. That's my hot take though. Oh, and, and before the, real quick, I, I, we kind of talked about it a few weeks ago with Hulk Hogan. I don't think we're giving enough credit to a huge iconic celebrity to be that stature with a skullet. I've tried to think of one other skulleted <laughs> celebrity that's an icon. I honestly think that should be like accomplish this, accomplish this, accomplish this, and despite all of that, did it with a skullet. That's inspiration. You could make like a Mark Wahlberg movie where despite having a skullet, like those were the odds. It always was in his way. Like, yeah, I mean, you're one of the greatest, but but Hulk, Hulk, so you got a skullet. And Mark Wahlberg doing the like, nobody believes in me. I'll show you. And one day he becomes Hulk. With a skullet. I think that's a, that's part of the story we don't focus on enough. That's just me. So when they do Invincible 2, yes. and his big battle will be that he lost his hair and he has <laughs> yes. a skullet now and he's got to rise above adversity. Yes. And there's going to be like an evil barber that won't help him. Name one other guy who in the world who everyone knows and at one point revered who had a skullet and I'll drop it. 
I don't. I can't. I don't know if I could name anyone with a skullet. <laughs> exactly. And I throw more respect, despite Hulk Hogan also sounding like a creep and a dirtbag. Let's not throw that away. But let's also not diminish what this man has accomplished with a skullet. And even now, he has like a clearly fake skullet. So he didn't even yeah. go full wig. He got hair extensions on skullet, skullet hair. His hair is better now than it was twenty years ago. Kept the skullet though. I respect that. Well, clearly that's. The hair is like sewed to the bandana that yeah, he wears. Exactly. So I'm sure he takes off. He's just totally bald. That's fine. Anyways, but that's he, my hot yeah. take and focus on mullets slash skullets. Well, that's a good one. What's I, your hot take? Quick point on the mullet stuff. That is also during an era where if you wanted to look at every single guy that was coming out had a oiled up mullet. And yeah, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, Diesel had a crazy mullet. I do remember that because he's coming to the ring and he was tall, so they had to shoot him up to make him look bigger and more imposing. And his mullet is like pouring out over his shoulders. So like that part's great. Uh, Bret Hart had a pretty hardcore mullet. Well. But he also had like long, that long hair that was like really, like he clearly just like stuck his head in a bucket of water and then ran out the, ran out the, uh, into whatever that word is. I don't even care. But like clearly these guys, we're just, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Ten of us are going to the barber shop, and you're giving us eight haircuts, or ten haircuts for the price of eight, because we're the, all getting the same thing. I'll be the first to admit, I wanted those guys' hair when I was younger. Really? I would love, when I was a little kid watching, uh, yes, I would have loved to have a dripping in grease mullet everywhere I went, just go around power bombing guys if they looked at me funny that was the dream i wanted to be a wrestler for like a month but then we'd wrestle on our parents bed and i'd cry or something so i don't think i ever went through a phase of wanting a mullet well i've had a mullet so <laughs> i can't and i've it, had a mullet too and it's been totally intentional but unintentional i mean me too my hair just naturally is a mullet like yeah. the back of my hairline goes down so far. So even if I was to get a buzz cut, it kind of still looks like I have a mullet. That's tough. Yeah. That's really tough. And also, this is so stupid. When you think about it, the mullet is the most natural haircut. Because what do babies always have? Mullet. Baby mullet. Yeah. So I feel a mullet is like, if you believe in God, what he intended for all men to look like. If you just let the hair go and you don't get it like shaped or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I feel like maybe not having a mullet's the same as getting like a facelift or something. You're just not natural. Maybe we should all just have mullets. Do you feel like that's something that'll come back? No, I feel like didn't that's... didn't it try to come back? I feel like something that just came to my mind now and I pretended like I really believe it. Hmm. So. I don't know. Not so much of a hot take. I think it's a pretty bad look. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a really fucking bad mullet. Look. It's a really bad look. What's your hot take? My hot take, I'll go with um, when the NBA comes back, if it comes back, because we're seeing a lot of people talk about not even being sure if they want to do it or if it's, if it's safe. Um, and a lot of questions which are understandable, of even if you're in the bubble, how can you assure really anything if you're supposed to social distance while you're in the bubble and yet you're going to be playing basketball at the same time? I'm not rooting for this. This is not a glass half empty or completely empty viewpoint i'm curious though after the initial thank goodness basketball is back on tv if people are going to look at it and be like i don't think this is good yeah i do think the real high risk of players getting hurt is 
really, really possible because you're going to have guys that have come off of doing who knows what. I do think that guys, this is a separate hot take, I do think that guys have either lied mm-hmm. about what they've actually been doing over the over this whole lockdown thing of like, I haven't touched the ball in three months. You got to be kidding yeah. if that's true. Pick yeah. up a, a basketball that's at your house. Like, get real. Go outside and dribble. You're an NBA guy. Yeah. You probably know there's got to be some rich person in your city that has a private gym in their house that I'm sure if you called and said, hey, it's so-and-so playing for this team, they would come pick you up and take you to the gym. So I don't buy that. But you will see awfully quick some of the guys that are like, just like when they had the lockout in 99, where dudes came back and they were just like, I didn't do anything. Yeah, I was just shut down. I thought it was going to be no season. Yeah. So I think there are going to be some guys like that, or they're going to overdo it trying to get prepared, and they get hurt in the training camps leading up, and then they just say, screw it, I'm not going to play. So I'm curious about if this is even going to pass the eye test for viewers when they're mm-hmm. saying, like, you know what, it's not great, but I'm just happy basketball's back on TV. Because I don't think that sustains itself very long or very well. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if... This is going to be much more for really avid, passionate basketball fans as opposed to the casual viewer who's going to be watching me like, all right, well, there's no crowd. It's not as fun in that sense, and it just isn't as good of basketball. Like, I think for, you know, basketball junkies, we'll say, like you and myself, there's different aspects of it will probably be entertained by like, oh, that's interesting how rusty this guy is with that, or the trash talk, if you can actually hear that. Those sure. things I'm looking forward to. But I think you're right. J- on JJ Reddick's podcast, he actually alluded to that too. He's saying, like, if you haven't touched a ball, you're lying. Or if you really haven't, and it's not just because I was really trying to follow social distancing. It's like, no. I just didn't have access. It's like, oh, that's on you. You're lazy. Don't pretend yeah. you have, as an NBA player with millions and millions and millions of dollars, you can't get access to a high school gym. Do it responsibly. Do it by yourself. But that's bullshit. Um, you could reach out to some sort of hoop supplier. Yeah, exactly. And you could say, hey, this is so-and-so playing for, I don't even know. Uh, this is so-and-so playing for the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Can you send me a hoop? Yeah. I, I need a hoop to tr- I need a hoop to shoot on. I need a hoop to do this. They would do it immediately. Well, Giannis said hasn't touched a ball and it's like Stop it. That's that's got to be a lie. I think that's like a PR thing. That's oh, I a, think it is too. Just such a salt of the earth dude. There's no way the MVP of the league and who might as well just be the mayor of Milwaukee can't just go up to him and be like, "Hey man, let me use your gym." Well, like, All right. I do think part of it also too was trying to have the message that if the NBA guys aren't able to do what they love and aren't able to, to do their job because they're staying inside, I think part of the messaging was to get the readers of those articles or anyone on Twitter or things like that are going, oh, well, I should stay inside too. Yeah, no, it's the right move. It is, I'm not yeah. even like, I don't want to do the whole message. But no, I don't my is now that we're shit. at the end no. of it, where they're talking about seriously playing and yeah. seriously coming back and guys are like, oh man, I haven't touched a ball in this long. And it's like, well... That can't be true, and if it is, then that's completely on you. Exactly. Completely on you. Like, if you're just passionate about basketball, you've tried to get wily, and you've tried to figure out, how can I make this work? When the snow melted, you're probably going to go outside and shoot. Yeah, it's not ideal. Yeah, exactly. But if it's one of those things where it's like, man, I just have to do this, you're going to go do it. Totally. To do the whole thing of, like, I was just, you know, completely handcuffed, and I couldn't do any of it. Exactly. It's, it's just too it's too fictional. I agree. I'm not buying that. So now that they're back and it's 
really kind of on the doorstep of we're going to be playing. Yeah. I think the real concerns of, hey, I don't want to get sick. Like I saw Avery Bradley pulled up mm-hmm. because he has a son that has had difficulties recovering from respiratory infections. Yeah. So he has to pull out. Exactly. And like they've made mention, like that means this guy's going to leave over half a million dollars on the table. That's a big decision. Is it the right one? Probably. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's it, it makes you respect a guy like him. Because yeah. people, people can be like, oh, what's $500,000 to an NBA player? That's a lot of money for yeah. a, anybody. Anybody. Even guys that have already made money in the league. Exactly. So from that end of it, as, as, a, as a fan of basketball, I can't knock anybody because it's like, no. well, man, I don't want to get sick, and I don't want to get sick or anybody else in my family sick. Okay. Yeah. And then the other things, too, of if, if I don't feel inclined to play because – my pursuits and my focuses on social justice and uh, turning my attention and my energy elsewhere, you can't really knock that either. Totally. But if it's just because, hey, man, I just haven't really been hoping. Yeah. It's like, well, that's probably the crappiest reason you could come up with yeah. going back to play basketball when it's your job. The Giannis thing, like, Man, if there was ever a guy that needed to be holding the ball and, and just getting like some like form shooting and Jesus, like it's that guy. Yeah, man. Shoot some free throws, pal. Yeah. Like it, let's see if we can skip some of the air balls. This I'm time. a huge Giannis fan. Me too. But I can't I and I have no problems with him being probably the front runner for MVP this year and getting it last year. But when people say he's the best basketball player of all time, I can't accept that because you cannot airball a free throw and be the best basketball player of all time. And he airballs free throws. All the time. Who said that? Tons of people. Like it's kind of like who's it's going to be like. It's either LeBron, Kawhi, or Giannis are the best players in the world. And there's a certain level of skill that has to go with being dubbed the best player of all time. And you know, and basketball players know, airballing a free throw is a cardinal sin. If you airball a free throw, it's expected. You can't do the whole like, oh, God, slipped. Look around again like you might have got fouled. There, it's entirely on you and your fault. So it, it's like expected for you to get booed, heckled, even by your own teammates, laughed at and ridiculed. And it's like, yeah, I deserve that. And so you can't be the best player in the world that regularly airballs free throws. I agree. Yeah. I think, I mean, hey, this has not been easy for anyone. But if you're talking about the defending league MVP, it's been like, dude. I haven't gotten a shot. It's like, well, <laughs> it's this is ugly. this is troublesome because when you're working daily, yeah. it's a uh, let's see what happens kind of thing. Seriously. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be very curious what the quality of play is going to be if they actually go through with it. Um, I'll be curious when it's all said and done who does stay by it and say, like, I'm not playing. I'm not going to get totally. enticed into. like more, the, and more now, man. Yeah, I think the Avery Bradley thing is – Completely understandable. I think from a comedy standpoint, LeBron having J.R. Smith back with him, there's a lot of potential there for viewers. Is J.R. Smith back? That's what everybody's saying is the Lakers picked him up. So hopefully there's some sort of part two of them freaking out or LeBron freaking out on him. I know that's what everyone's rooting for. Oh, yeah. Um, Being in a position to win and J.R. Smith just forgets he's there and just walks out of the gym or something. It'd be interesting to see what they set the line at for that, that he does that again. Um, but I'm curious, like, is, is the thrill of having basketball back going to be able to sustain itself if it's not good basketball? Yeah. I hope it is because we're still watching really good yeah. players. The other part of it is too, I think more of it is just with basketball being back on, whether or not it's quality is that there's going to, it's going to feel normal. Totally. Like life's going to feel a little bit more normal, mm-hmm. even if there isn't fans and even if there isn't anything that's resembling like a full arena in a playoff environment. Yeah. 
we're still going to say like, okay, but basketball's on. Right. That feels normal. And it's not the only sport. That's something important to remember, like soccer, or football, whatever you want to call it. Overseas. Oh, Premier League? Yeah, like that's... Yeah, like who, who cares? But yeah, no, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, no, that's a good take. I'm, I'm really curious to see how that plays out. Do you want to, uh, do you want to get to the meat of the podcast now? Yeah, the I main think, event? yeah. We Why should you talk. Us in there? So there was a really great tweet this week um, from our uh, exalted leader, uh, Jason Kenny, and it was really a wonderful video because it showed just how beautiful Alberta is and the province and, and things that you can get being a city person uh, forgetting about about the area that you live in, like you know the mountains, the Rockies, the you know the rivers, all these things, and it was a wonderful video. The problem was the video was done to show why the NHL should come to Edmonton. And I think when you did the whole entire, what was it, like three and a half minute video? Yeah. There was like seven seconds of Edmonton. <laughs> so like, not to poke holes in what clearly is an effort to bring industry and excitement to our city, because I'm rooting for that if they can do it the sure. right way. The problem that I'm not just you and I pointed out or or saw when we initially saw the videos these players aren't going to be able to go do any of these things well it's for the families well the families can't go and do any of it either if they're in the bubble with the with yeah. the players so what the hell are you guys doing this is really weird because this is a whole video highlighting things that will not be done or seen so if funny. the NHL comes to the city it really was like Great unintentional comedy. Well, and kudos to Twitter, which can be such a swamp of just the worst people and the worst of humanity. But it was hilarious watching how many people would be posting just like, enjoy these gorgeous views of them to be like Machu Picchu or something like that. (laughs) They just roasted Jason Kenny for it. And I thought it was fantastic. But it was really a highlight, a random thing that just popped up that was really funny. And like if you said, if, if this was just done by Travel Alberta, like, hey... Albertans, just remember how much beauty yeah. is in our province. And uh, or when things normalize, look at all the world class things you can see. Like the Rocky Mountains in Alberta are second to none, man. But yeah, when you're using famous. it as a this is why Edmonton's the best, and you're looking at mountains of Banff, what the hell are you talking about? Well, if some dude who's playing hockey and I mean, sheesh, you're going to be in Canada. People are going to know who you are. Yeah. And if like four guys from the Oilers. So yeah, just like, Mc, Mc, McJesus goes down to the Rockies. Well, if you're walking through, if you're doing a hike and a, you know, a family's walking by and be like, oh, wow, look, there's some of the Oilers. It's going to take people two seconds to be like, you're not supposed yeah, to be here. The videos, are, camera phones are going to be out. And what the hell are you doing? Yeah, so it's so it was stupid. really funny. So the idea we had, and if we were more talented with the video, we would try and make a video of it. But we kind of were thinking, well, what would be funny is if you actually did a certain version of Edmonton highlighting all the special things about our city. Yeah. Or that the things that are mocked about our city by people living in our city. Or that are real. Like if you were going to give a real take on this is what you can expect in Edmonton. Hey, NHL, come to Edmonton. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just trying to think, we were just trying to think of what would a realistic video of Edmonton actually be. So give two. Yeah, we'll go two and two. Okay, so... You obviously need a ton of guys wearing camo. (laughs) 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 And guys staying... So my first will be guys wearing camo in steel-toed boots (laughs) 
and safety vests, even if they don't have like a warehouse <laughs> job that requires any of those things. There's people from Edmonton, I hope will appreciate this, and people from out of Edmonton, I hope you can have a better understanding of what city <laughs> we live in, what it's like. You'll have those guys who look like they work 12-hour shifts driving a forklift, but they don't. That's just how they dress. And you'll also see a lot of trucks with stickers that say, like, fuck Trudeau, <laughs> or, or has, like, Calvin pissing on the NDP letters or something like that. That would be in it. <laughs> I think that would be fun if they did like a, a really quick montage of shots of all the horrible truck bumper stickers. Oh, yeah. Or if they had like the truck with the balls hanging off totally. the back. Trucks that say, fuck off, we're full. <laughs> <laughs> like just these obnoxious things that you see all the time in Edmonton. I think a six second shot of a truck would be vital to the video's totally. success. And then hopefully the window will get rolled down and some guy will give you the finger <laughs> coming up <laughs> for cutting him off um, or not even cutting him off. No, because this is, this is the thing where you, you might signal that I, I, I got to get in the left lane, but then you decide like, oh, wait, no, I don't. Turn the signal off. That's it. And he'll come by you and flip you off and want to fight you for it. A dude, this is no word of a lie. I was driving on 50th and I was going to change lanes. This was last week. And I signaled and didn't. And I checked my rearview mirror, and the guy left the bird up for about four seconds. Of course he did. This was a cable company car. Oh like, this was a company car. So, like, I looked at that, and I was like, nothing even happened. And the yeah. guy's pissed at me. Ugh. So I think someone giving, I think multiple birds totally. are totally, they're vital to this video's success. Um, I think... Potholes in street construction have totally. to be showed of like cars just sitting and an entire lane destroyed and then cars <laughs> bobbing up and down as they drive down some shitty road and you're moving like eight feet and, and you're just pissed. And the people in the car are the guys in camo and safety yes. vests flipping everyone flipping off, someone off with the bad stickers and they're blaring like Rob Zombie regular <laughs> Listening, listening to the bear. Yeah, listening to the bear calling in because the DJ's just like, "Hey, when you get home on a Friday, what's the what's the twelve beer you pick up?" And like, "Oh, I'm fucking picking a pilly every time, bud." Like, you need stuff like that. An audio <laughs> recording of a true Edmontonian doing burnouts down Jasper Ave with the boys. Another one I was thinking of is you need those weirdo guys who just hang out on the street with those signs that say radar and an arrow pointing like a block over because they're letting you know there's photo radar. And the thing with Edmonton is it used to be like they hid and it was shitty. Yeah, yeah. They'd get like the cops to yeah, hide. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty weak. They trick you into, well, not trick you, you shouldn't be speeding, but they would hide so you don't see them and you speed by them. Whereas now they let you know, hey, we're here. They have these bright colored trucks and flags and you still get these dudes out spending a Friday night with, with like Randy or Rick or whoever his buddy's name is with these huge radar signs. You probably need to throw a quick clip of him in. Uh, who else? Because I feel like we're, I mean, so much of it is the blue-collar dude. Whether he's actually blue-collar or not, that's a huge part of Edmonton. And like to be, to be clear on this, for anyone who is listening that is from Edmonton, this is not trashing. This is also coming from a place of we love where we live. Yeah. We know that Edmonton's a great city. But if you can't make fun of where you live because of the weird things that you see almost on a daily basis, then lighten up totally. like a little bit. Because this is a fact. Yeah. I'll get flipped off this week for sure. And I'll drive maybe like 
a minimal amount because we're still trying to do the safe stuff. I'll see 9 million trucks on the road for yes. sure. I'll see a dude wearing camo for sure. Like, yeah. if these are just things you can count yeah. on. This it, is like the sun coming up. So, like, that part of it is important to point out. We know that, hey, Edmonton's a great, a great city. It's got a great skyline. When you drive through the River Valley at this time of the year, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. However, when you go also on White Ave and you see the large hipster population moving in and out of Remedy Cafe. That is something to make fun of. Because another part of this video should be dedicated to interviewing at least one person that says they hate living in Edmonton and they can't wait to move to Vancouver. Exactly. If they don't have that guy in here of like, I just hate living here and I can't wait to move to Vancouver and just have a wonderful life. And it's like, right, man. Make sure that you include this guy. Oh, 100%. Because they might as well have him on the goddamn Welcome to Edmonton sign Seriously. of can't wait to leave Vancouver rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. As Edmontons, we have such an inferiority complex. And I feel like the the demographics is with very little in between. It's either it's like the most confusing blend of just the most blue-collar rednecks who have like Confederate flags. There's some of that as Edmontonians. Yeah, that's too much. And, but then you'll have, and that's not all of them. I don't want to make it all like they're those Confederate flag guys. There's also just the lovable blue collar crazies. But then you also get the hyper pretentious hipster hanging out on White Ave talking about how what they love is just the most diverse neighborhood in the city, even though it's all just white people that look, talk, and think exactly the same. So, it, and there's no in between. So you need to get both of those in, like a good, beautiful shot of the River Valley, and then. Guys saying fucking rights, and then other dudes saying like how this is so organic, or they're so stoked, and talking like Southern California surfers, even though they're from Fort Mac and moved here when they were fifteen. To me, that's Edmonton. I think another important thing to point out would be you got to show like thirty seconds of cracked windshields. Hundred percent. So at least get a couple shots of like random gravel shooting off the road and smashing people's windshields because. I don't know what it is about Edmonton, but that's like a case study for here. It really is. How like I my my windshield is like a disaster. It looks like Ace Ventura's thing <laughs> after after it gets destroyed and he's driving out leaning out his, his driver's With side. With Dan window. Marino? Yeah. So that's another important part of it too, is like let's make sure we get like all the cracked windshields of that. If you rent a car in the city and have it for longer than the week, the odds are your windshield's going to be cracked. Yeah, get some insurance. Yeah, make, make sure, sure that's the first thing you do. Now, what? Let's let's also add in there. Um, you probably have to get a couple people that either say like the Eskimos rule or like you totally shit on the CFL. There's yes. like no in between on no that. No in between it's like, again. I either really support my local team in the only football league that's been able to survive outside of the NFL, pretty much yeah. anywhere else, and. Then the random guy that runs in and be like, I don't even watch that. Not even football. It's no. like, cool, man. Would you get that huge rod out of your ass? Totally. Like, kind of show a little bit of pride. Like, I'm not a huge Eskimos guy because I just don't usually make it over to their games. But I know a few of the guys that play on the team. Yeah. They're good athletes. They work hard. They usually have to have jobs outside of, of playing yeah. in the CFL. So I feel like we'd have to add one or two of those guys that are like, I love totally. the Eskimos. I never miss a game. I yeah. always wear my green and gold. And then you have maybe the same guy who's talking about moving to Vancouver. Oh, 100%. It's probably not, that though, guy. because they're, they don't know what real football is. No, they think like if you watch sports, that immediately means you're like toxic masculinity or something. Possibly. So, me, that guy that goes into like 
pass coverages and yeah. oh, I don't watch the CFL because the end zones are too big. And it's like, cool, man. Did you play high school football? Well, I, feel yeah, like I played in 10th grade until they yeah, kicked me off exactly. the team. <laughs> yeah, well, then you know your stuff. Keep, keep talking and tell me more. I feel it's either a guy named like, yeah, like Rod or Gord who, who will go so to bat for it of like, well, really, it's better than the NFL when you break it down. And you're like, shut up, Rod. Or you get the guy that, yeah, is just so pretentious. Like you say, like you go to the Eskimos and kind of like rolls their eyes. Like, no, because I'm going to actually be getting a chai latte at Remedy. Thank you. I'm good. Or the guy that says like, I don't watch a game unless it's the Carolina Panthers. Or yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, has to tell you about why the NFL superior. You're like, ah, oh, just shut up. That's, again, that's the, that's the thing with the... Uh, I feel there's either an inferiority complex with Edmonton people. It's either... I'd imagine you've gone through something similar. I, people my age and demographic, I would say, we kind of go through this obligatory thing as an Edmontonian where we just think, oh, God, we're the armpit of Canada, and I can't wait to get out to BC. I can't get out there fast enough. Or... You have the guys that are just pretty much like, you think I'm going to go hang out with all those freaks on the West Coast? Like, after Notley ruined my life, um, you know what I mean? Like, those kind of guys. Did what? Did you ever go through that thing of really wanting to get out of here to get out West? No, I, I never wanted to, because I, I never was in Vancouver uh, growing up until... Uh, we went out there for nationals when I was uh, 17 with the Alberta team. Mm. And it wasn't like we were like, sightseeing like we no. went to like a very specific part of the city and played and just get it in yeah just walked around I yeah. think the most we saw was a movie theater and a gas station so didn't really see the sights i did when i was when we were moving away i was ready for a change of scenery just because um i wanted to do something different yeah it wasn't for like hatred for the city or or anything like that um because if it was like i wound up back here so yeah. how much could i actually dislike it yeah but it was just also the need of, of and the the excitement of, of trying to see something new, uh, have different some different experiences, and see what it was like. Is it comparable to how I grew up mm-hmm. or, or, or the experiences that we had? Um, I did have a lot of friends that felt that way. Yeah. And maybe I would have felt that way if basketball wasn't something that I was really, really into. Yeah. And there were all these opportunities that you started to see in high school where it's like, I might be able to go to school somewhere very different yeah. because I can play. And if you didn't have that, I could see how it would be frustrating. It was like, well, I want to get out of here, but I don't know how I'm going to get out of here or what I'm yeah. going to do. So, but I never hopped on the like, man, Edmonton sucks train. I, I wasn't really hard on that. That's good. Because I had a bunch of friends at work. This place I was. sucks, man. It's so boring. And then it's like, I lived in San Diego for two years. Yeah. It's a wonderful city and there's tons of stuff to do. And when I transferred to Northern Arizona, I was happy to leave. Yeah. Because I just, a lot of the stuff was very foreign to me. I wasn't a beach person. You know, it was cool. Like, I went to the beach, I think, like, honestly, like, twice. Which is shameful. Well, it's totally. I didn't have a car. Still. I didn't really know anyone that did that. And I was lazy. Like, I was 100% lazy. My point is, though, is, like, you can go from living in a place where it's just, like, well, we don't have beach, we don't have this, no, 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 no. And you can move to, like, the most pristine, picturesque city in the world, and your habits are your habits. How you live is generally like how you live unless you just completely do a 180. Where you go, there you are. Yeah, and you realize pretty quick that it's just like, man, the grass isn't always greener. Like, yeah. where are you? Where you are is like, life's life. Yeah, man. Your, yeah, your responsibilities are, are what you just have. If I'm playing ball and I'm going to school and I'm doing all this stuff, no, I'm not going to the beach. Yeah. And I know part, a lot of that's on me, but 
That's some good, though, honestly. That's good you never felt that kind of, like, vitriol towards Edmonton, because I have. I was – there was a few years in my mid-20s and late-20s even. I'm honestly just coming around on Edmonton now, I think, okay. where I was captain. Edmonton is the worst thing that's ever happened to Western civilization, which a lot mm. of it was me just parroting other people, but especially getting into comedy and just it, it, the, the ceiling here being as low – as it is and was, and it's getting a lot better. But of course, you think of Vancouver, Toronto, and as a dual citizen going to live in the states and thinking uh, about how much better the weather can be. And I, I will still say, yeah, the the winters here, even when they're pretty mild, suck. Like they're long. Oh yeah, the days are so short because we're so far up north. So it feels like you get out of bed, the sun's not up yet. You go do whatever you do during the day, and you come back out. The sun's already down. Not seeing any sun, and I'm one of those guys that like I need some sunlight. I'm sure, a yeah. way better person with blue sky and sunlight. So of course I'm thinking of like Southern California, whatever, sunny, sunny vibes and all that good stuff. But then, then you do come around to exactly what you just said without getting too philosophical. Uh, wherever you go, there you are, and the grass is always so much greener. And I've seen so much of that. Where, um, we're gonna dive into comedy next week and stuff, but just. Strictly through doing comedy and the extended times I've been in New York and L.A., these world-class cities that people from all over the world really want to live in, especially if you're a lunatic comedian like myself. But, you know, when you're here, it's so easy to be like, oh, man, I'd be, it would be so much better if I was in L.A. or Vancouver or there. But then I'm there and there's certain things I'm missing on. It really is just the simple little things of like, oh, well, my, my friends are all getting together and having this backyard barbecue. And you're like, that's really great stuff. And I miss doing that too. So the grass is always greener. And another thing I'll say, I like Vancouver. I like Vancouver a lot. But it, there's a reason it has its reputation for being a little pretentious and standoffish. When you go there, you have never experienced anything unless you've experienced it in Vancouver. Mm. Like Next Act, a really great pub in Edmonton with great food. You can be like, oh, yeah, I had this awesome veggie burger. And like, <laughs> no, 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 no. You have not had a good veggie burger. You have had that the nom or something. And you're just like, oh, shut up and get over yourself. That's the thing I've kind of come to appreciate, too. Despite the winter sucking as much as they do, the summers being as wonderful as they are, people are, are pretty salt of the earth here. We have our issues with if you want to get political and if you're a liberal person, you can sometimes feel a little outside of your element. But there's a little that that level of self-deprecating and realness of Edmonton. I really have come to appreciate. And despite being all aboard the hate train of Edmonton, I think it's a wonderful city. And I think we are incredibly lucky that this is where we are from and where we live. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, I've had some friends that have moved um, you know, gone to different cities like in New York or Montreal or, or something like that where they do feel like, hey, I'm here so I can try some things that I haven't tried before. Um, I can socialize in ways that maybe I just didn't feel good enough to do at home or maybe I just couldn't get out of like the kind of the lane that I was in with the people that I was at home with, where they just like, hey, these are the expectations that I have for you. You're not really venturing outside of that. Yeah. So I did hear some friends say, like, once I moved, it just I found a community that better suited me. Mm-hmm. And I'm all into that. I mean, but I do also think that if like if you're unhappy in a spot and you think if you move somewhere, you're just gonna be happy. Yeah. Having lived in a variety of places, based on my experiences, I would say that that's pretty false because the best thing you have going for you is the relationships you have in the place. And it's, those are usually strong where you grow up. Yep. Um, 
And then, you know, when you go other places, if they wind up exceeding expectations or they are a, a huge surprise of I moved here and I'm having a great time is, well, you probably are there with good people. Exactly. So that it's more than just like, man, if I go and live in Southern California where it's warm all the time, like, man, I couldn't believe when I lived down there that like when it rained, people couldn't drive. Yeah. Like there's accidents all over the roads. People are freaking out. There's like traffic reports about staying home and it's like it's raining yeah it's just There's, pissing bud yeah, yeah. that's what you were saying <laughs> yeah exactly. got your john deere hat oh she's just pissing outside yeah i had the vest on when i was walking to class <laughs> picking up chicks but i think yeah it's you could go on and on but i think to bring it back around the video that was released was great because it points out just how beautiful this area of the country is it made zero sense for how you're highlighting a city which is too bad because if you did a video right on Edmonton, there's a lot of stuff you could highlight this Especially cool. now. It's a cool city. Yeah, it looks great at this time of year. Got a good food scene now for the most part. The art scene has really gone on the up and up. And to your point, because I, I do think there's a lot of merit to that, of especially what we grew up with. Um, I do think the vibe of Edmonton was kind of like that very by the book. You go to school. When you graduate, you either go to college or you get in the trades, start making money as quick as humanly possible, get yep. the dog, get married, buy the house, work till you retire, and then you can have fun. And it would and it's still it's a pretty stiff vibe here. It's not the most adventurous, but to your point, there is this like kind of burgeoning scene and and standards are changing. And there's a lot more of that kind of something for everybody and a lot sure. more little yeah, out yeah. there pockets. So I agree. It's a shame they didn't actually capitalize on showcasing the best parts of Edmonton, but if nothing else, we got some really funny reactions on Twitter from Jason Kenny being an idiot. All right, so that's pretty much all we had for today. There's a couple ideas we've had uh, for for going forward. Hopefully, um, one of our politician leaders tweets out something really stupid again next week that we can talk about. That could just be the new pod. That could just be the new pod. Um, we can always count on our neighbors to the south for that. I was going to say, man, there's no shortage <laughs> of material. So we'll just uh, we'll, we'll keep our eye on the, on the, uh, on the switch for that. Um, and then I think next week we're going to talk about some comedy stuff for Ethan because he alluded to it today of having the privilege of interacting with people like Jeremy Piven and getting to see multiple facelifts up close and personal. Um, but also, too, we wanted to, to talk a little bit about his experiences in comedy, um, the places he's gone, clubs he's worked, uh, comedians that he's seen, and how he's worked at it himself to develop his material, and how that even started. Because I think for any of us who have ever been to a comedy show, we know that it, We've said some funny things, and you know, there's probably been that dipshit friend you have that's like, man, you should be a comedian. Yeah. And then you get up on stage, and you wind up telling a joke about you taking a dump. So I mean, <laughs> well, it's yeah, and I know it's been done. So we oh, we, we know awfully quick it's really hard to do, and it takes a lot of guts to get up there, and it takes a lot of guts to continue to get up there and work at it and progress. Me personally, I think maybe my hot take will be next week how there's so many parallels you can draw from being really good at comedy to being really good at basketball. Well, that's um, the other thing, because we'll definitely talk about... Sure. Uh, we'll talk about the comedy, but we'll also make sure to get a little bit more of an inside view of... I'd love to talk more about just your career as a whole, but what 3x3 basketball is, because I still think that's a pretty foreign concept to a sure. lot of people, and they don't know how much of a thing this really is. So next week, will be, next week will be a loaded one. It'll be fun, man. Yeah, we'll try and dedicate some time to that. I'm hoping we can get through 
a good chunk of the comedy stuff. If it leaves time for 3x3, great. If not, then maybe that's something we do the following week. But otherwise, uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you could share it, that'd be great. Download it, subscribe. Uh, we're going to keep trying to do a podcast once a week and come up with some stuff that's entertaining to listen to. And if uh, anything else strikes a chord, like the Costanza versus Scott stuff that we had, uh, feel free to message us or send us some feedback so that we can share it online and hopefully not trash you too hard. Yeah, maybe maybe it was something we missed about Edmonton. You would love to see in that Edmonton video. Maybe there's some characters and archetypes we forgot about. Let us know. Let us know what you think because we really appreciate hearing from you guys. Definitely. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll check in with you guys next week. Take care.